Science Faction is a show about unbelievable discoveries. Science Faction. You're listening to Science Faction. Today, we're talking about a new kind of science. We're going to the crossroads of plant biology and nanotechnology. Technology in its smallest possible form. The prefix nano just means something that's smaller than 100 nanometers. And a single nanometer is one million times smaller than a millimeter. So, one million times smaller than that tiny speck of dust on your desk. And today's story is all about the coupling of tiny technology with plants. A place where no plant has gone before, but where many plants may soon find themselves. It's a place where normal plants are given strange and unusual powers. On top of cleaning the air we breathe, growing food for us to eat, and helping us when we're sick, these nanotech plants could do, well, just about anything. And that's the topic of today's show. I'm Andrea. And I'm Dalal. This time on Science Faction, we're talking about powered plants. Science Faction 101. We speak in the thousand most used words. The researchers we talk to don't. These thousand words come from the Opka Five Text Editor. Made by scientist Theo Sanderson. <laughs> we build on these accepted words using prefixes and suffixes. And we allow the use of numbers and names. From the names of people and places to the names of life forms and scientific fields. We see these few little exceptions as key to bringing you stories factually and informatively. And now for the show. Meet Dr. Michael Strano. I am the Carbon P. Dubs Professor of Chemical Engineering at MIT. He's the driving force behind this new field called plant nanobionics. It may sound strange to have a chemical engineer at the head of plant-based research, but engineering is actually at the heart of this work. Because what Dr. Strano does is engineer plants. So the, so the goal of, of uh, plant nanobionics is to use nanoparticles to, uh, to give non-native functions to, to plants. As in, make them do things they don't usually do. So uh, we we started asking the the questions. You know, could could plants be a starting point for for te- technology? So you might have an electronic de- device, you know, on your desk. So we're asking, like, could that device instead be a plant? And there are interesting reasons for that. But why plants? Um, they have some clear advantages. Uh, they have their own energy so- source, so they 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 generate their own en- energy um, from from the sun. And uh, they also re- regenerate and repair. So in terms of en- engineering ma- materials, I'm, I'm a chemical engineer by training, um, they, they, have these, they have these advantages. Pairing tiny technology with plants for the first time calls for knowledge from many different fields. On my team here at MIT, I have or- organic chemists, chemical engineers, uh, physicists, material scientists, and, uh, and now plant biologists all working 
uh, in the same group. So we have a very interdisciplinary group, and that's very common in nanotechnology. You often have to, to draw on a, a diverse array of scientific expertise. This well-rounded group started off by considering how it is that plants work, and mainly about one of the key activities that nearly all plants do. Uh, photosynthesis is the, is the way in which a plant creates uh, fuel for it in, the, in the form of sugars um, for it to later, to, to later metabolize, uh, to give it energy in order to live. Or, in 1,000 words, the way most plants eat light to make power. Plants that don't do this are few and far between, but you can sometimes find them in places with little to no light. You might be surprised to learn that this is the case for some types of orchids, who get their power from other nearby plants and fungi instead of making it themselves from sunlight. Plants that do need sunlight make their power inside small green compartments found within each and every plant cell. Photosynthesis takes place in in the organelle um, called the chloroplast. People have long been interested in removing these cell parts from plants because of their ability to turn light into usable power. Essentially, from an engineering perspective, the chloroplast is quite interesting. It it takes in carbon dioxide and and sunlight, and it produces uh, sugars and sugar precursors, essentially fuel for the for for the plant. Out of a plant, these could be used much like wind power or power from the sun for running our cars, factories, homes, you name it. You know, the interesting thing is that chloroplasts are fairly easy to extract from plant matter. We, we actually use spinach from the supermarket. You can actually extract chloroplasts very simply. And this was a surprise to me as an engineer that you can actually have a vial of chloroplast and um, and then use them for our, our experiments. Like all living matter, these cellular compartments break down over time. And when they're removed from the plant, they break down pretty quick. And so we started to ask the, the question, could we protect it from, from, from degradation? And this kind of started our thinking into this idea of plant, plant nanobionics. Does he mean using nanotechnology to make these cellular compartments stay alive outside of the plant? Yeah. I think that's exactly what he means. And one of the things that I'd like to do as an engineer is, um, is, is try to figure out if I can find a way to keep the chloroplast viable. Um, in other words, not degrading while it sits on the shelf and does this very important chemistry. I would like it to do that ke- chemistry um, with higher productivity, but I'd also like it to not degrade over time. Thanks to their research, we're well on our way there now. Strano's team has built a nanoparticle that is able to fight off reactive particles in the air that can cause the breakdown of living material. These same particles are actually what cause aging in humans. You can add a nanoparticle called nanoceria. And nanoceria is um, known in nanotechnology as a, 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 um, a reactive oxygen sponge. It's a particle that has a seemingly insatiable appetite for these very destructive molecules. In fact, they're being explored uh, clinically to uh, prevent photo damage in the human eye. Okay, so the big picture is that we have little green cellular parts that are doing really important chemistry. And we've managed to get them outside of plants. But once out, they break down fast. Now, this team has made a tiny particle that can slow this breakdown. They stuck the nanoparticle inside plant cells, and ta-da, it worked! The plant cells stopped breaking down. Well, almost. The plant cells fared much better than before, but over time, 
they did still break down. But with real living plants, how on earth do you get this tiny technology into the right part? Into the exact subcellular part of the plant you want it in? Um, intuitively, you, you may think you, you, you could just put it into the, the water that you use to, to um, administer to the, to the soil. So it turns out that plants have a, um, a fairly complex structure, that, um, a root stru- structure that prevents that exact thing from happening. Since they couldn't get the particles in through the ground, what about from above ground, like through the leaves? I guess if the openings are there, maybe that's a better way to get technology inside the plant. So actually, it's a surprising method that works quite well is to actually uh, go back the other way, and that's go, um, go to the surface of, of the leaf where normally water evaporates out, causing the pressure that then pulls water up from, from, from the roots. But it turns out that if you take, um, if you take a solution of aqueous nanoparticles... Water that's filled with nanoparticles... Pressurize them um, at the surface of the, the leaf, you can actually force the fluid back through the leaf and uh, this is a way of, of infusing nanoparticles all, all throughout the leaf. That's not the end point. It needs to make it to a part of the plant where it can be useful and where it won't get kicked out of the plant, either back through the leaf openings or out into the ground. And Streno's answer to this problem was... We developed this te- technique that we call LEAP, leap or uh, lipid exchange envelope penetration. Just a flashy way of saying that if you cover nanoparticles with a particular kind of chemical, they'll be pulled into the green cellular compartments of the plant. The ones we told you about earlier. The power-making ones. Chloroplast. And they get locked in. Strano's team has unearthed a remarkable way of coupling technology with living plants. Opening the door for unimaginable forms of technology. Ever since Strano's team has figured out how to get nanotech inside of plants, they've been working on three ways to put nanobionic plants into action. Three distinct applications. The first kind of nanoparticle Strano's team put into a plant was one that allowed the plant to take in more light. Let us explain. Sunlight is made up of a lot of different colors. Every color of the rainbow, in fact. And plants can only take in particular colors. Their favorite color being blue. Plants are green because they mainly absorb blue and they have, they have some they have a tail in the red a light, but they, but, but they reflect the green, so that's why they look green. Strano's team used LEAP to add nanoparticles to the plant that are capable of taking in green light, so the plant could make more power than it usually does. And you can actually get an enhancement of photosynthesis. They made the world's first super-powered plant. With all this extra power, could plants be growing bigger? Be growing faster? Well, more light doesn't definitely mean more growth for plants. It's too early to tell if this increased photosynthesis has has an impact on plant growth or on increased sugar production. But they do know that the plant is making more power. In fact, the research showed that plants with this nanotech catch and make up to 30% more power. We we may not care about uh, what happens after that. If we wanted to harvest those extra electrons right at the source and use them for some other purpose, some digital communication or something. So I, the, the idea behind nanobionics is to go beyond, you know, what, how, how can we improve plants for, for, um, for basic agricultural reasons, but how, how, how do we make technology out of plants? I think that, that's the uh, idea that has essentially been unexplored completely up, up to this point. The second kind of nanoparticle Strano's team put into a plant was one that could sense the presence of given chemicals in the air. Although you can't see them, 
harmful chemicals are often in the air you're working in and breathing in. When air passes through the plant with chemical sensors inside, these nanoparticles recognize the air as chemicals. These plants could easily help keep track of the chemicals being put into the air. It's all well and good for your plants to know what's going on in the air. But how would you know? Which brings us to the third nanoparticle Strano's team worked on. The one that would allow people to figure out what exactly these plant sensors are sensing and how much of it there is. What we did was we, we did vascular infusion. We put um, photonic nanoparticles that were also chemical sense sensors for a pollutant called nitric oxide. And, uh, and um, we basically showed that you could, um, you could render this, this plant leaf uh, sensitive to nitric oxide, and then it could communicate with you, with, with, with a user uh, from a distance away by, by sending a unique near-infrared signal. Once the nanoparticles inside the plant sense the chemical, they will also send off a warning to nearby users. So a user could use a special you know, kind of camera, like an infrared camera, and look at the plant and actually could see if the plant was detecting nitric oxide or, or not. So this, this instills a communication function and a chemical sensing function into the plant um, using the advantages of the plant. So that's, so that's it's, it's one example of a, kind of a simple example of a bionic plant. It, it, it has this non, non-native function. What is particularly cool about this technology is that it's one that's self-powered. The chemical sensor runs off the power that the plant makes for itself from the sun. You don't have to plug it in. So now you have this, um, you have this uh, remote sensor, and um, you have one that's aesthetically pleasing too. I mean, I'll just, I'll, I'll just add that. They've built a jumping-off point for a world of possibilities. You know, could you, could you start to make um, other kinds of transceivers, not just optical transceivers? You know, could you make, um, if you want to be fanciful, you can make electro, other electromagnetic tra- transceivers, or gigahertz radiation, or, or. Um, or Wi-Fi, for example, and that's very fanciful. One day, we might even walk down streets lit with nanobionic trees. So what does a world look like when plants are more than just plants? We asked Dr. Strano this question. We wanted to know if they're safe to be around and if they're safe to eat. Nanoparticles are as diverse as chemicals that you, that you can make. I mean, some, some chemicals... Um, are just fine for you to for you to consume. You do it every day, right? Um, and some chemicals uh, are are not. And the same is true with nanoparticles. I think we have to be careful about uh, any material that's released into the environment. So even if uh, when um, someone proposes a new pesticide, for example, and it's supposed to be used on agricultural products, um, I think that uh, I think that those molecules have to be scrutinized very thoroughly. I think in this case maybe we, we want added scrutiny. Um, so the downside is just, I think there is a risk with any new technology. I think we can uh, build from experience, but your, your question is, is very well, well placed. Hi, I'm producer Nick Schofield. Thanks for checking out episode two of Science Faction, Powered Plants. We're done for now, but we do want to hear from you. Get in touch with us on Twitter at SciFact Radio. And search for us on Facebook. Science Faction is Dalal Hanna and Andrea Reed with sounds and music made by Nick Schofield and is supported by Jeanne Volontaire. Visit us online at sciencefaction.ca. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, thanks again. <laughs>